by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Let's turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and we'll get started. Thank you, Lord. We've had church already, Lord, but don't let us tune out, Father. We want to receive everything that you have for us today. We know your word is rich, and it's going to make our souls rich. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, because that's where they were at the time, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so a a complete church, a church that's wanting to do the complete will of God, is not only going to make disciples where they are, but they're going to make disciples all around the world. That's what our mission giving does, and that's what we've concentrated on this last month. But we're starting a new series today, and I'm going to entitle it, And Your Household. So we're going to go from one end of the spectrum, the uttermost parts of the world, back to our very own households and how to win our loved ones. And part one is entitled Family. When I graduated high school at 17 years old in Memphis, I stayed in Memphis. And uh, immediately, I mean, that next weekend, my mom and my little brother, Heath, he was six years younger than me, they moved back to the little town of Shaw, Mississippi, where my grandparents lived. And it uh, wasn't long after that, I guess Heath was 11 or 12 at the time, he began being an altar boy at the Catholic church there where my grandmother, my Mimi, went to church. And she got him in there, and his, he had a good friend down there named Teddy. And My brother Heath used to tell me altar boy stories all the time about him being an altar boy at that little Catholic church. I wish he was here to tell it because you would just be in stitches, man. I mean, he would just be telling me stories about the things they would do because, you know, at that age, he wasn't real serious about his faith. I don't know if he even had any faith, but, but the Catholic Church is very serious, very somber, and they don't play. <laughs> you know, their services are very uh, dignified, so to speak, and Heath would tell me stories about him and Teddy, and they, they would both have their robes on as the altar boys, and they would sit across the way from each other trying to make each other smile during the service, try to make each other bust out laughing while the service is going on now. And he said if they ever so much as cracked a smile, that priest wanted to have them miscommunicated or whatever they do over there. <laughs> he was like, no, you can't do that. Excommunicated, I think it is. <laughs> get kicked out of the church. You can't do all that smiling, you know. So the priest would get on them. So, but they, they took it as a challenge to try to get each other in trouble. He said one day they were, you know, really hyped up that day and trying to get each other to smile. Neither one of them would, you know. They're sitting across each other, looking at each other. And in the Catholic Church, they take like 30 minutes to do the Holy Communion, right? That's, they go through all these ceremonies. And in some part of the Holy Communion, they, they ring a bell. And Teddy had the bell that day. And he got to that part, and Teddy grabbed that bell. He was going to ring it real hard to try to make Heath laugh. And he went ring, 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 and when he did, the bell came off the stick. <laughs> 
and come rolling across the altar. And Heath was, got eyes, got all big. He was trying to hold it back, you know. And he said they were both like. But the bell kept rolling. It rolled down the steps. Doing, doing, bit ding, and every down the step. And they finally pushed <laughs> And just right in the middle of the somber service, they just fell on their knees laughing at, on the altar. And uh, the, he said the church was laughing too, but they was trying, you know, trying not, not to. But anyway, <laughs> I think they got suspended for a couple of weeks or something. But, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of altar boys to choose from. So, they... But I say that to say that uh, I went to that same Catholic church too. You know, we, we considered ourselves Catholic. But I don't know what, you know, I don't know why, but we never really understood what our faith was all about. We didn't, I don't think we ever knew we were supposed to ask Jesus in our heart. We just knew that we were supposed to go to church. And so we went to church, but nothing ever really changed. And for the next 10 years or so, until I was 32 years old, that was more than 10 years, I just kind of went my own way. I, I stopped going to church altogether, you know, and just living a, a crazy life. And then I got to the point where my life hit rock bottom and, and somebody finally told me, that Jesus would forgive me and he would come into my heart. He would change, radically change my life if I would let his Holy Spirit take control. And I did, man. And I got, I always tell you, I got saved, saved. Y'all have heard my testimony a thousand times. I was hardcore. And the first thing I wanted to do was what? Go tell my little brother. Hey, this stuff that we've been playing all these years is real. I remember sitting in the truck with him. And I'm 32. I guess he's, what, 26, if you do the math, somewhere in there. He's got a little. He's got a wife now and a little kid. I think at the time. I think he had a kid at the time. Anyway, they were living in a little house in Olive Branch. But I was sitting in the truck and I was just letting him have it with both barrels. This stuff is real, Heath. I've had supernatural experiences, God. Because once I I trusted God, God trusted me with some supernatural stuff. You know, things were happening I couldn't deny. You know, things He wouldn't show me until I took a step of faith. And things were changing in my life, and I felt so good, and I was just letting him have it. Heath, you got to know, man, this stuff is real. Jesus is real. And of course, I was going to a full gospel church, and that's a little bit different than a Catholic church, you know, <laughs> as you might have noticed. So <clears throat> Heath was just looking at me like I was crazy. And then when I got through my 30-minute my rant, you know what he said? He said, Guy, I'm a Catholic, and I'll always be a Catholic. How many of y'all know that when you first express your faith and the joy of your salvation to your family members, sometimes it can be awful disappointing. It, you don't get the response that you were looking for. I was like, this is my most best friend, my most trusted companion. Surely anything in the world I tell him he's going to believe because we're that tight. But I told my mama right at that, she thought I was nuts too. Both of them wrote me off as being in some kind of cult for believing the very thing they confessed to believe because it was real to me. What do you think is the main focus of the Ukrainian people right now? Last year, about this time, I'd say some of them were like worried about their golf scores how to get their handicap down. Some of them were learning to ballroom dance. 
Some of them were worried about making money at their job and get a promotion. But what do you think their main focus is right now? Not only staying alive, I would say keeping their families safe. I would say those who are ready to fight for their country are still trying to get their families across the border and out of harm's way. They are, they're most, they're, their concern right now is family and how things can quickly change, huh? Do you know that we're in every bit as much a war as Ukraine is here in America right now in the heavenly realms? We're in a war. There's bombs being dropped everywhere in the spiritual realm and bleeding over into the natural if you'll look. The devil's covert actions aren't so covert anymore. And there is a war for the souls of mankind. And I'm here today to plead with us to start getting our priorities in order. We got to get our families saved. We've been talking about getting other people's families saved through our giving. But we got to get our own families saved as well. Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and then to the other parts of the world. How many of you in here right now can say, all my family's saved? Don't raise your hand. All your family say, because I probably ain't nobody can raise their hand. You've got a cousin somewhere, an uncle. Many of you have children, maybe even a spouse, that you're not sure about their salvation. So this month, we're going to concentrate on our household. Winning our family. First Timothy 5, 8 says, but those who won't care for their relatives, you may say, well, they're just talking about meeting their physical needs. Or their, that's true. That's true. But it also means you won't care for their spiritual needs. God sees us body, soul, and spirit. And when we love somebody like Jesus loves somebody, we take care of all three. Those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. What do you mean worse than an unbeliever? Well, unbelievers don't know any better. They're sinners and they just sin by nature. That's what they do. But we know better. And that makes it worse when we don't care for those in our own household. I, I told the story this morning of Paul and Silas. They had been preaching the gospel, and this one soothsayer, this fortune-telling woman with this evil spirit was following around. She was saying good things, but Paul finally recognized that ain't, that ain't a spirit from God, and he cast her out, cast the spirit out of the woman. Well, the people who were using that woman to make money got mad, and they brought Paul and Silas before the magistrates. Uh, said that they're teaching unlawful stuff for Romans to do, man. They need to be killed. Well, all the people stirred up against, man, doesn't that make you upset when you're trying to do right? And people turn against you. They turned against Paul and Silas. They stripped them. They took their clothes off, and they beat them with rods. And rods are just sticks. <laughs> it's like a billy club. They beat them within an inch of their life. 
And then they said, throw them in the jail. And they gave the jailer instructions to put them in the innermost jail to lock them down, to put stocks on their feet. No way they're getting out. They're in the middle of the jail, in the worst part where there's no way to get out, probably behind several bars, uh, doors in the jail. But you know the story. In the midst of their suffering, in the midnight hour, Paul and Silas began to pray and they stirred themselves up and they started to praise and the bible says all the other prisoners heard them and then god heard them and then the power of god came down in an earthquake but it wasn't just a regular earthquake you see because a regular earthquake can't knock the the chains off of you but everybody's chains came loose the stocks came off their feet and every prison door was slung open and what's even more amazing is when the jailer who, who had fallen asleep, I guess he wasn't doing his job, he woke up. And he, he thought that the prisoners had escaped because he saw the doors open. He got his sword. He was going to kill himself because he thought, man, I'd rather kill myself than what my boss is going to do to me. They didn't play back in them days. And he was going to kill himself. But Paul says, oh, don't do yourself any harm. Everybody's here. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm a prisoner and the doors are flung open, I'm running out. The power of God and the presence of God must have been so tangible in that jail that the prisoners forgot about their, their natural freedom and, and wanted to soak in their spiritual freedom that they were finding in Christ. And so the jailer, I get, he got a light, and he said, oh, it's true. So he locked the doors back, and he brought Paul and Silas out. And I guess he felt the presence of God, too, because he says, what must I do to be saved? And they told him about Jesus. And he received Christ. And then you know what? The first thing on his mind, let's go tell my family. So he took him out of the prison, the one thing he was told not to do, at the risk of his life, no doubt. And he brought him to his home so that they could tell his family about Jesus. They, too, received Christ. And that very night, in the middle of the night, they were all baptized. And then Paul brought them back to his house. I mean, uh, the jailer brought Paul and Silas back to his house and washed their wounds and took care of them, gave them a bath. And then brought them back to the prison. And they went willingly. You say, why would they go back? Why didn't they just run, you know? Often I preach down at the jailhouse. And I've seen people so on fire for God. And so free in the spirit. That they're glad that they're there. Because they're getting a time out to be with God. God does such a work in their life. They are... They, Maybe they would want to go, but, it, but if they had to do it at the cost of losing the newfound freedom that they have on the inside, they wouldn't even leave. I promise you. So Paul and Silas went back with him. And you know the scripture. Acts 16.31, when the jailer asked Paul and Silas what he must do to be saved, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. I guess that's why he said, well, y'all come with me, and let's go to my house. Now, does that promise come with conditions or not? Because I know a lot of people just say, well, you know, I'm saved, and I'm believing everybody in my house is going to be saved 
but they ain't witnessing anybody in their house. Is it just a, a, a promise that's across the board? Is there such a thing as household salvation because the man gets saved? Does that mean his wife is automatically saved? No, salvation is an individual choice. Somebody has to pray. Somebody has to praise. The power has to be shown in somebody's life. Somebody has to go. Somebody has to speak. Somebody has to tell. Like Brother Joe says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Your family is not just miraculously saved because you were. And if you're here today and you're just like one of those altar boys, you're not saved just because you come to church. And don't assume that your family members are saved just because they go to church. It's an individual decision for Christ. What did it say? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. God partners with us. We just wish God would do all the work, don't we? God, get them. But God partners with us. He responds to our faith. Yes, we pray, but we pray in faith, and faith always has action to its faith. It has, puts legs on the faith. the jailer had to care enough to bring the gospel home. Where's the ushers? We got any ushers in here? Could y'all pass out those little sheets? These, I want you to keep these sheets with you all month long. You know, we're, we're working up towards Easter, right? Resurrection Sunday. And that's a big time where, non-church goers will go and that's the time we always encourage you to invite your family and your friends well i want you to to go ahead and get an early start this year i want you to write down the the members of your family that you're going to start praying and believing god for and listening to his instructions on how they may be saved i want you to go ahead and any one of them within our vicinity that could come to our church i want you to invite them to church if they got if they're living far off and they don't have a church that they want to go to there say would you watch our live stream easter at least make an investment see what god has to say for your life so write down names as god gives them to you maybe not every, you know not all at once but write down some that you know that you want to pray for and you want to believe god for And keep this paper with you. Keep it before you. Put it on your refrigerator and pray for these people every day. Okay? I got four common sense things that I want to discuss that we can do to begin to witness to our own household. The first thing is we will believe God for their souls to be saved. Say believe. Everything in our walk with God begins with faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. You can't partner with God without faith. 
But Mark 9.23 says all things are possible to him that believes. So when we pray, we don't want to just throw up, oh, God, if there's anything you can do, I don't think you will. Cousin so-and-so, there ain't no hope for him, but let's, let, maybe you could, maybe something could happen over here with aunt so-and-so. No. Get with God. Ask the Holy Spirit to develop faith in your heart before you even pray for him. And then pray in, in faith. You understand? Pray saying, God, I believe that you will touch their heart. God, I believe that you can turn their life around. And I am partnering with you, and I will do my part. I will do what you ask, and we will get this done because I believe in you. People didn't believe that I would ever get saved. Somebody must have, right? We bring them before God in prayer, trusting that he'll work in their heart. The Bible says that we plant water, but who brings the increase? Is God faithful? Will he do what he has promised to do? I know my Mimi down there in Shaw, the one who, who got us all to go into that Catholic church, she was relentless about having us go to church. She did her part. She used to Every, I would go down there almost every weekend, you know. That was like home to me. I'd live in Memphis, but going on the weekends, go down there with my Mimi and Papa all hunting and fishing and all that. And she'd always be trying to get me to go to church on Sunday. I really didn't want to go. To me, I, it didn't make much sense, you know. It was like a waste of hour. I didn't want to get up. I wanted to stay up late Saturday night, and I didn't want to go to church on Sunday morning. Most of you know what I'm talking about. <coughs> But, you know, she didn't play fair. She would always tell me, they got some new cute girls coming to our church. <laughs> and I'd look at her and say, Mimi, there ain't nobody younger than 60 years old at your church. She goes, but they're bringing their granddaughters. And I knew it wasn't right. I knew she was lying, but at just the thought of it, I would get up and go to church with her. And one Sunday morning, I had promised her, or one weekend I had promised her I was going on Sunday, and I got down there, and I got with some friends that Saturday night, and I'm just going to be honest, we got drunk drunk. We got whiskey drunk. We got so drunk when I woke up in the, the morning, I was still drunk. Somehow she woke me up and got me in the car, I guess because I was too drunk to say no, and I went to church drunk. And I sat through all the service waiting for it to be over. And my stomach was going, and I was like, oh, oh. And, and I don't know if you've ever been to a Catholic church, but at the end of the service, the, the priest will say something along the lines of, the Mass is ended. Go in peace. And I always loved what the people said. They said, praise be to God, and they ran out the door. I never understood that. But <laughs> why, why are you laughing, Denise? Is it true? It's supposed to be praise be to God, but we made it praise be to God. Mass is ended. No, but we ran out the door. And I, this particular morning, I ran out the door, all right. I ran straight to my grandmama's car and hurled all across her backseat. Oh. And my, my, my Mimi and my Papa all came and got in the front seat, and they were like, 
what is that? And they looked back there and blessed my Mimi's heart. She always believed the best about me. She said, it looks like he, he must have ate something didn't agree with him. I think my papa all knew, but, but she never gave up on us. I wrote this, Mimi exhibited proof of piety through patience, prayer, and persistence. Mimi exhibited proof of piety through piety through patience, prayer, and persistence. Say that four times real quick. Piety is a noun. It means reverence for God or devout, devout fulfillment of religious obligations. She took it upon herself. She, it was her obligation to make her family go to church. And persistence is an adjective. It means refusing to give up or let go. She knew it was her obligation to God to keep her family in the church. And she was persistent. She refused to let go. She refused. She continued to believe the best about us. Even when we didn't go, even when we disappointed her, she's prayed and she kept after us. And while we're on the peace, number two is point people to Jesus. Say point. What's number one? Believe. Believe God. Partner with God. Number two is point people to Jesus. How do you do that? There he is. No. <laughs> through your actions and through your words. I wrote this. Paul's prayers and praise pointed powerfully. <laughs> they preceded God's presence and power. They piloted the prison population to the Prince of Peace. I don't know why I get carried away like this. <laughs> but let me say that. It all makes sense if you listen. Paul's prayers and praise, you remember in the, at the midnight hour, it pointed to Jesus powerfully. So that the prisoners didn't even want to leave when the presence came. They... The prayers and the praise preceded God's presence and his power. We got our three Ps, right? I've been talking about for some weeks now, God's presence, God's power, and God's people. And when those three come together, we have church. We begin to accomplish the will of God. And they prayed and they praised and it pointed powerfully to Jesus. And his presence came and his power came, and it piloted the prison population to the Prince of Peace. That's how we're going to do it. Does anybody feel like what we did this morning was a show? That was not planned. We don't, we don't plan stuff like that. We have a plan, and we hope our plan gets wrecked. We hope the Holy Spirit comes in here and does what he wants to do. Now, I don't put together a plan thinking it's not of God. I have a plan for the service, and I pray that it's God. And I'm hearing in advance from God how he wants the service to go. But if the Holy Spirit wants to do something different in the middle of the service or I miss it, so be it. And don't you know, this is the real. When the presence of God like this 
is in the place. Those who are coming and just going through the motions and, and being like those ushers, those, those altar boys and playing games, and they feel the real, that's what makes the real heart change. It precedes the presence and the power of God. Your family is watching and they're listening. And if most of them are watching and listening, looking for cracks in your armor so that they can say, oh, yeah, you thought you was better than me because the world thinks the Christians think they're better than everybody, right? Oh, you ain't so hot after all. I thought you was a Christian. How many of y'all heard that? You do one wrong thing. You steal one little hot dog or you break line or, you know, at the family picnic. And, oh, I thought you was a Christian. Right. They thrown you under the bus. Every good thing you've done up to that point. It ain't fair, but they're watching. They're watching and they're listening. First Peter 2.15 says this. It is God's will. I hear people all the time, what is God's will? Well, people say, well, I don't know God's will for my life. Well, I've got you a scripture right here that tells you what God's will is. At least a portion of it. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people. <laughs> who make foolish accusations against you. God said, I don't want your family to say, you're a Christian? I thought you was a Christian. Know that your honorable lives would silence that. That they would have no nothing to say about you, but wow, there's no explanation for this. I remember when he used to steal candy out of the machine, you know, I remember when he was a kid. I remember when he was in high school. You know, I remember when he got drunk and went to church. I remember. But there's something different. Because you're pointing people to Jesus through your actions and your words. Number three is that the Holy Spirit desires to reveal Jesus to your family. The Holy Spirit is the power of the resurrection in their life. He's the one that, that saves them, right? He is the power of God. He is the one that's, that we must partner with. In fact, Jesus said to the disciples before he was raised to heaven, he says, go and wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. I don't want you out there witnessing Without the power of the Holy Spirit, without the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, you'll get him in a truck and you'll blast him and he'll think you're in a cult. Right? But the Holy Spirit, he knows yesterday, today, and forever, all at the same time. He knows everybody's heart. He knows the things that they need and the things that they don't need. And if we're going to witness to our family in a way that doesn't push them away, because the way I shotgun blasted everybody at first caused me years of delay. But if we'll listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you, hey, do this, don't do that. Pray for them, but don't, don't call them. Tell them you love them, but don't tell them nothing else. You know, leave them alone for a little while. They've had enough. Stop helping them get through all their issues because you're being an enabler. And I'm trying to set them up to learn something, and you keep fixing everything for them. 
How do we know what they need if we're not listening to the Holy Spirit? But he knows them. And how powerful it is when a believer filled with the Holy Spirit, listening to the, the guiding and the, and, and the leading of the Holy Spirit, begins to minister in someone's life. He'll give you words of wisdom, words of knowledge. You'll be operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and they'll think, wow, that had to be from God. What they don't need is that had to be from you. That had to be from God. That's what you need to hear. So power, uh, partner with the Holy Spirit. The saints of old called him the hound of heaven because he was on the trail of lost souls. And that's what he still is today. He's eager to work out circumstances in their life that will draw them to Christ. Somebody said once that it takes the average person like eight or nine times to hear the gospel before it finally registers and they respond in a positive way. But now, since we're saved and we're super Christians, we think we can tell them one time, and if they don't receive it, oh, they don't know what they're doing. How many times did it take you? It may, may not happen overnight. They may, you may get them to come to church, and then they're like, I didn't get nothing. Don't want to come again. Mimi didn't give up. They may throw up in the car when you leave. <laughs> but don't give up. The Holy Spirit will help you. And then number four, partner with Jesus for the souls of your family. Because the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's praying. Are you praying with Jesus? Are you believing like Jesus? Jesus wants to see your loved ones saved more than you do. In fact, he proved that he wanted to see them saved because he became their sin. He became their substitute. He was willing to die for them. So par partner with Jesus in prayer and partner with him in his love. Because you know what's not going to save your lost family members? Your guilt. You're making them feel guilty about this. Or There's so many things that we do that are counterproductive to the love of God. Love of God, the love of Jesus is the most powerful force in all the world. And we can't lose that. When we get frustrated, go tell another Christian brother and pour it out on them, but don't pour it out on your, your lost family member and, and load them down with guilt. You'll never guilt anybody into the kingdom of heaven. I tried, believe me. My family was like the family of guilt. If you looked up guilt in the, in the dictionary, it'd be a picture of our family. That's the way we grew up. And it's destructive. Doesn't work. Let's turn to 2 Thessalonians. We're about to close. Is this helping anybody? I know you saints knew all this stuff. But you know, it ain't my job to teach you new stuff. Hopefully you do know all this stuff. It's my job to remind you of the stuff you already know. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13 through 14. <clears throat> I love this scripture. God gave me this scripture late. 
this week uh, because it encapsulates everything I've, I've talked about here today in one scripture. As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. There's the love of God, right? We're always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation. So if we're talking about our family members, we're going to get saved, we have got saved before them, right? And we're the first to experience salvation, so to speak. A salvation that came how? Through the Spirit that I talked about. He's the one that that gives us eternal life. He is the source. He's Jesus' Spirit. He seals us into the day of redemption. It comes through the Spirit who makes you holy through what? Your belief. And then what we talked about, our faith, how it partners with God in the truth. He called you to salvation when he told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there's glory for those who preach the good news. He who wins souls is wise. You will share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read this to you one more time. As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters who are loved by the Lord. We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation, a salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief, see a partnership in the truth. He called you to salvation when he told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ by sharing that truth with someone else. So write down the names. Be praying about it. You know, if if we would simply do the things that the Holy Spirit is asking us to do in these services instead of being hearers only, that's what's going to set this church apart. For us, when the, when the pastor asks you to do something, it's because the Holy Spirit has put it in his heart to ask you to do something. You're not doing it because I said it. I'm here with a message from the Lord. So write down the names of your loved ones who need Jesus. Make a decision to believe for their salvation. Let's continue to call out their names to God in prayer. And let's listen to the Holy Spirit and obey him and how that we might water and plant so that he can bring the what? Increase. So, yes, he said, I'm Catholic and I'm always going to be Catholic. And he meant it with all his heart. He had no intention of following the Lord the way I was. He just wanted to continue doing what he was doing. But little did he know I kept praying for him. I prayed and I prayed and I believed for my family. And within that year, God sent a Baptist preacher to that Catholic boy's house. He wouldn't receive from the full gospel guy but he received from a Baptist preacher and he told him the plan of salvation. And my little brother got down on his knees and him and his wife, she was already saved, but she rededicated her life and he gave his life to Jesus by that Baptist preacher An answer to my prayer. Am I sad that he didn't ever come to our church? I'm a little disappointed. 
But that Baptist preacher was an answer to prayer. And the Catholics and the Baptists and the full gospel people can all work together for this one common good, to get people saved. And I know my brothers in heaven today because that Baptist preacher was an answer to prayer. And we'll work together. Now I'm going to work on my mama next. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I'm glad she's not here today. I'd, I'd see that shoe coming. No, I, I believe my mama is saved. I was just kidding. I believe she's she, there. Her life has changed significantly enough that I see that the Lord is in her heart. She still says that she's Catholic and she'll always be Catholic. Although she's been coming to here for five years. <laughs> I'll close with this. Acts 16, 34 says the jailer in our story brought them into his house, meaning Paul and Silas, and he set a meal before them, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. What joy in believing. What joy in seeing those you love come to salvation. We're going to do it together. We're going to believe God that our households are going to be saved. And we're going to get them here on Easter service. And we're going to fill this church. And, we're going to, and if they go to the Catholic church, that's all right. If they go to the Baptist church, that's all right. We just want to know where they're going when they die. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.